Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to another episode. Uh, today, there's a lot to talk about, especially with the rankings that came out on Sunday. Uh, lots of chaos there. Uh, for this episode, I'm going to be bringing on a guest. Uh, this is Chris. He's one of my friends. And uh, we're going to be talking a lot about college football and a little bit about swimming as well. Um, so let's just jump right on in. Um, Florida State being left out of the rankings. Um, what is your what's your first thought? Like when you look at it, just objectively seeing that they're left out after being in the top four the past few weeks. What do you think? Yeah, so uh, first of all, I'm going to preface this with saying that um, Ryan knows a lot more about college football than I do. Uh, I'm not really super up to date with uh, the current landscape of the college football, but I know that leaving Florida State out of the conference championship is definitely a controversial controversial thing, uh, especially given the fact that they're undefeated this season. Um, do I think that the other teams didn't have strong performances? No, but I think Alabama taking the spot over Florida State is definitely something that uh, there's some controversy behind, and for good reason. Yeah, I agree. And there's, I mean, there's been years past too. Like people are all like, there's some people that are comparing uh, Florida State to like TCU, saying they don't want another TCU situation. But the fact that the fact of the matter with that though, that actually improves Florida State's case in my opinion because TCU went on to the national championship. They made it past the semifinal round, and people are saying with Florida State they're going to get crushed in that semifinal round. So I mean, I think that's another thing that we should be considering as well. Do you think? Yeah. So I mean, like you said, kind of like what's the point of playing these these conference games if if they're already pre like predetermined who's going to go into the conference championship? Yeah, I think there's definitely a lot of money behind it. Um, I don't know if you know, uh, but I think CBS, I think they their last game that they streamed or uh, covered for the SEC was the Bama-Georgia Conference Championship game. Next year, it's only going to be covered by ESPN. What do you think, of, what do you think about that? Is like uh, just because I mean you see a lot of stuff online with ESPN and the way they report stuff. Like they're gonna have they they now have skin in the game with uh, with these games. Oh yeah, I, I, de- I definitely think that obviously money is a driving factor in uh, college football. I don't think that's a that's a question or, um, but yeah, streaming services definitely um, have an important role in that too. So. I mean, I think money should object, like, just taking money out of the equation, um, I think just like with college sports, it shouldn't have as much of an impact just because, I mean, lots of people, like, they watch college sports because of the amateurism of the sport because you have to, you go, everyone matters, you fight your way throughout the regular season to make it to where you are. But do you think with Florida State being catch out of the playoff that this sends a bad message about not only uh, winning in college sports, but also with uh, conferences, because we saw with the Pac-12, there there's going to be no more Pac-12 next year. Do you think that maybe next year with the ACC or even in the next couple years that that could happen because of what happened here? Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely like um, um, it's a money thing for sure. Um, they're just putting on the conference games, it seems like, to obviously bring in revenue. So, um, And then not taking whoever won the game into consideration for the final. Uh, obviously, Florida State um, definitely should have been included. So, Yeah, I, well, I think that's spot on. Um, all right, so I think... Uh, have you seen any graphics with the um, the twelve like potential twelve team playoff? I've not. All? Do you I'm know uh, what do you know about the twelve team playoff? Uh, let's start with that. I don't know anything about the twelve team playoff. Okay, um, so I think the twelve team playoff that starts next year. Um, I think there's going to be it's next year. It's going to turn into the Power Four because of um, the uh, death of the Pac twelve. Uh, which is unfortunate because this year the Pac-12 was arguably the best conference in football. I mean, they had, at the, especially like towards the beginning of the season, they had the most ranked teams. I think they had like seven at most in uh, 
Washington, Oregon, Oregon State, Washington State, and a few others. I mean, Colorado was up there at one point. Arizona's still up there. Like, um, but with the way it's going to work, I think they're actually going to have the conference championships going to have more weight. So, like, you get a buy uh, for the conference championship. So those top four seeds, um, there's going to be one spot for each conference. Gotcha. And then the remaining seven, the remaining seven teams that are in the top, uh, they're in the top 12 are going to get a spot. And then whoever the highest ranked group of five team is also going to get a spot. <clears throat> uh, so I think, I think that's probably good. For college football, just because of um, the inclusion of group of five teams in the playoff. I mean, don't you think? Yeah. It's like there's, I mean, you don't really see these smaller schools get as much opportunities to like go out. Like the most they get really is the bowl games that are not the playoffs. Like it's. Yeah, I think I think definitely, though, in in recent history, uh, there's like so many bowl games now. I know, I know maybe see 30 years ago, there weren't as many bowl games. So bowl games are definitely becoming more, um, prevalent. That's also probably a money thing, but, um, it does give, it got, it does give smaller schools a chance to play at a higher level. But I think with the, with the 12 team playoffs, like that also is another chance for maybe smaller schools to kind of get their spot in the, uh, overall. Yeah. Like that, it's a good next step for sure for, for those schools. Um, so, I mean, we were kind of talking about this earlier before we got in with the um, with the requirements to get in to the college football playoff. So, there's you have to be undefeated. You have to be in a Power 5 conference. You have to win your Power 5 conference championship. And then the last, the last requirement, which kind of has an asterisk on it just because it's at the bottom of the list, uh, and I'm going to sum it up just because, I mean, it's a really long bullet-pointed rule, but it's um, injuries can be factored in to uh, looking at the quality of a team's performance. Um, kind of just hopping back over to Florida State. Um, I mean, my my take is that the undefe- being undefeated, being a Power 5 conference champion, um, I think that has more weight than... Um, than having an injured player, um, especially because it's one player. Like, they're basing this off of one player, and that they're, and the narrative that's been going around is that the, um, that the third-string quarterback is going to be playing. But both the second-string... The second-string would have been playing in the playoff... Like, they would be playing in the playoff game, and both of those quarterbacks, like, they had just first seen the field like as starters in the past few weeks like uh Rodemaker saw his first start against uh uh I think it was Northern Alabama um when Jordan Travis got injured and um they're back like their third string they he pretty much saw his first start against Louisville I don't think I mean don't you think that the fact that they beat a top 15 team a top 10 defense in Louisville that that should elevate their ranking, like elevate their performance in any way. Like, yeah, I mean, you, you talk about um, you talk about the list of requirements in order to make the the championship, but um, I don't really know why they even put those in play. I mean, they're 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 ranked in order of importance, and then in winning in winning your uh, conference game is is up there in the importance, and then then they consider um, taking Alabama over Florida State, who's also um, undefeated this season just for the fact that their 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 quarterback right is injured yeah um but you talked about how how strong florida state's defense was and that was kind of their driving factor in their their performance this year so yeah. i don't know especially towards the end when they like when jordan travis went down i mean their their defense held two like they held their opponents the they held florida and uh louisville to less than like 20 points I think Florida might have gotten exactly 20, but like they held them less than 20 points. They held their other opponents throughout the year to less than 30 points. And uh, their defense is literally ranked higher than Alabama's defense. So, I mean, like you saw, like, I mean, we all saw the Alabama beat Georgia. So, I mean, I think, do you think people are, 
I mean, just now that Florida State's now in the playoff and they have a bowl game against Georgia, do you think that game could be closer than people are making it out to be just because of the um, just because the defense in, in Florida State? Yeah, yeah. I could, I could foresee that being a pretty close game. Um, taking Florida State in that one, though. Going to have to take them. You're going to take Florida State? Yeah, I think so. Maybe that's maybe that's maybe that's controversial of me, but um, that's just uh, just from what I saw in the Alabama Georgia game and, and Florida State's performance over the years. So, yeah, no, I think I'm I think I I would take Florida State too, just because I mean Georgia this year, especially out of the past three years that they've played. I mean, the last two years they won a national championship, and they've been like undisputedly the most dominant football team in college football. Uh, but this year, I mean, they had a really bad. They had a really easy schedule. They looked real. They looked shaky against some of the good teams. Like I mean, Missouri. They looked shaky against Missouri at points. South Carolina and South Carolina. I think they just squeaked into a bowl game. But I mean, and they they only lost to Alabama by three points. So I mean, what? Is it really like that big of a quality win? I mean, I think just because, like, just taking out the fact that Georgia was number one the entire year. Yeah. So I mean, when Florida State plays Georgia, and if they if they were to win, what do you think that what do you think that kind of reflects on the the championships? Um, I think it reflects really poorly on the committee. Um, I think it's really gonna show the oversight on their part of Florida State. Um, I mean, there's a couple other things that kind of show that as well, like um, Jordan Travis not being a Heisman finalist because that was the whole basis of their argument for keeping them out of the playoffs, was that Jordan Travis was such a good player, the best player in college football, that taking him out of the game had such an effect on the offense. If that's, like, by that logic, he should be a Heisman. He should win the Heisman, right? Right. I mean, you know, just just using strictly their logic. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, there's some flawed logic there. There's a uh, there's some politics going on in play that that uh, aren't so evident, or I mean, maybe are evident, but uh, people aren't probably talking about as much. Yeah, I mean, some a term that I've seen online with um, with the ESPN analysts, they're calling them talking heads yeah. <laughs> because they basically preach that the SEC is the um, the god of the conferences. That it's like the undisputed best football conference just because they've had consecutive years where they've made the playoff. And this would have been the first year that an SEC team wouldn't have made it. But, I mean, I think after – I mean, look at the performance for out-of-conference. Um, they were 7-9 and nine, uh, for out-of-conference scheduling. I mean, Georgia's schedule was in controversy this year. Um even like Alabama's schedule is kind of in controversy. I mean, they at least had the guts to play Texas to improve their strength of schedule. But if they didn't have Texas as an out-of-conference scheduling game, then their strength of schedule would have dropped dramatically. Um, which, I mean, that would have changed the whole conversation in a lot of ways and that Alabama could have been undefeated or that um, Florida State would be arguing strength of schedule. Like It would completely flip the argument there. Yeah, well, I, I will say this. Um, SEC definitely brings in the most money uh, for college football. So there might be uh, maybe some ulterior motives there, but I, I don't think that's that's undisputed, the fact that yeah. SEC is definitely the biggest uh, money truck there. It's one of the oldest conferences that's kind of stayed the same. I mean, this year they, they're expanding. They're adding Oklahoma and Texas to their um, lineup of teams. Um Big Ten is one of those other big conferences as well. They're also expanding. I mean, I think this is, what, the third expansion, second or third expansion of the Big Ten, um, adding the adding four of the 12 Pac-12 teams to their lineup of teams. Um, but I think the expansion of the conferences, I mean, luckily the ACC is getting other teams. Like, they're getting, I mean, they're getting kind of the weaker links of the Pac-12 in Cal and Stanford, at least with regards to football. Um, and they're they're getting SMU, which, I mean, they're, they're uh, SMU's 11-2, and two, which, I mean, that's 
that's good. But, yeah, no, I think the ACC could be in danger. Because, I mean, we, I mean, you've probably seen that, uh, for, like, teams like Florida State and Clemson have been trying to get out of that conference for so long now. Mm-hmm. Going either to the SEC or the Big Ten, just, like, anywhere else. Yeah, well, I mean, there's, there's definitely a smaller number of conferences now. Um, having, I don't know, over 14 teams in the, the Big Ten is uh, kind of questionable. I mean, it should be yeah. 10, I guess. But um, so what do you feel like that? Not not only in college football, but all, just college sports in general. How do you think like the consolidation of uh, conferences is is going to kind of play into the whole landscape of sports overall? I mean, right now it kind of seems like it's almost like a vacuum. Like uh, the Big Ten and the SEC are just kind of slowly absorbing teams, and I guess now you can even say conferences into their bubble. Like the I mean, Pac twelve's gone. The Pac twelve is just kind of going into the SEC and Big Ten bubble a little bit into the ACC and Big 12 as well. Um, but I think they should consolidate the conferences a little differently. Like I th- One of the things that I do like about the SEC is that they're mo- a lot more regional. Like um, all the teams are in like the southeast region of the United States, whereas like the Big 10 and I mean, you could say ACC as well. Like they're, they're now... And even Big 12, just because Big 12 has uh, teams on now, like arguably both sides of the coast, um, like they're coast to coast conferences. So like that, like I think having that be more regional would be better for college sports in a sense that like making those matchups against uh, like the bigger teams, like, I mean, Texas and Alabama, that's kind of, I mean, it's an old Matchup. I mean, they've been in different conferences for so long. So, I mean, it just makes it, it makes those matchups more special. I mean, now that Alabama Texas matchup is just going to be an in conference battle. Yeah. And it's going to mean nothing more. Yeah. I mean, you just talk about the fact that all of society, I mean, teams have to travel from place to place. And you're having in the Big Ten, I guess, specifically people, you have Rutgers and you have USC. So, I mean, I don't know what the, I don't know what that's going to look like for teams traveling during the year, but um, it definitely seems weird that I mean, the term conference isn't really even isn't, isn't really even relevant anymore. I mean, no. you're just you're just taking a, a group of teams all across the country. Yeah, so. it's more of like a brand. I mean, like on your point with travel, I mean, travel is going to be so much more expensive now. I mean, like with, I mean with the Big Ten, like I mean, IU, like we can just we can take a bus up to Purdue, we can take a bus up to Michigan. Traveling by bus so much cheaper than flying. Like we'd have to fly. I mean, I think we flew to Penn State and we fly to Rutgers, but now we're also going to have to fly to USC. We're going to have to fly to UCLA, Washington, Oregon. Like and flying is like that. It's a lot of money. It takes time to do that. Like you have to. Like, go to the airport, like, pack a bunch of different things than you would, like, on a bus. Yeah, I mean, not, not even just in, in football, but, like, I don't know, some of these schools obviously aren't making as much money through their games as, as others. I, I think that's that's pretty clear. But then not even just football, but you have, you have every single sport that's going to have to travel across. And in schools that aren't able to maybe fund that travel, is it's going to kind of create a problem there. Yeah. Yeah, no, that— that is that's very very true like with i mean like you look at swimming like swimming doesn't make nearly as much as football but they're gonna have to travel the same amount arguably like we're now gonna have to at least i don't know if it's do you guys switch pools like every like do you go like host here like if it was against usc like for a dual meet we would host usc one one year and then the next year usc would host us right I think that's how it would go, yeah. Okay. So, like, for both those teams, that's going to just, that's going to suck. I mean, something also to factor in is time change. And, right. like, because, like, that time change affects, it affects your body, it affects your well-being. And there's also the aspect of school. Like, because you're spending more time traveling, you're not spending as much time in the classroom. So, I mean, I think the whole concept of being a student athlete could just fly right out, right on out the plane window. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we see that just like on an individual level for like an individual college athlete taking time 
um, away from their week to travel super far. They're, they're having to miss class. Um, they're going to have to make up all their work. Uh, training is going to be difficult too. Like it's super, it is, it is tiring to travel. So like coming back and, and having to get right back to training, um, not a great feeling, not good for people's recovery. Um, yeah, just in general, I feel like college sports as a whole are kind of moving more away from the amateur level and more towards like nearing towards the professional level. I mean, you, you see like NIL deals and stuff like that. College football players are making money. So yeah. um, it, it's basically becoming just a, a subset of, of pro athletes. It's I mean, I think it's kind of sad. Uh, I mean, I think it's good for the college athletes that they're making money because, I mean, you know, like scholarships are very like they have to be divided out equally in some way. Um so, I mean, the college athletes definitely benefit from NIL, but, I mean, it's also it's also kind of a stab in the back just, like, with the whole expansion because now that the college athletes are making more money, now the, now the conferences want to make more money. And they're kind of taking that, but they're taking it almost to, like, the next level. Like, they're using their influence in media to essentially just get more money. Yeah, um, that's that's a whole that's a whole nother thing to talk about is NIL and and college athletes making money. I do I do think it <clears throat> I do think it does provide a great opportunity um, for amateur athletes to make money. But the point of being amateur is the fact that you're you're doing the sport for the sport um, and for and your school. Exactly. I mean, it's like it's a it's a pride thing um, playing for your school. It's an opportunity. Uh, most of the time, I mean, at the highest level, you're getting your uh, education paid for. So I don't know. I feel like that's maybe enough, and you can you can hold off for four years before um, before making money through the sport. But I think it's definitely more difficult <clears throat> in the age of social media. I mean, like the the top college football players, top college basketball players, are essentially famous. So it's yeah. it's difficult for them not to make money. Um, but doing it, I guess, through the sport is is kind of is kind of controversial. Yeah, like in that way, it's controversial. Like in the way with social media, I think it's also kind of good in a way, just because they're using their influence to bring more attention to the sport. And I think in that, like using media in that way, is okay. Just because I mean, that's going to get more views, and that keeps the conferences happy in that sense that they're going to be making more money off of viewership because people want to see their favorite college player. They want to see like their, you know what I mean? Like, and that way it's good. But at the same time, it's just very uh, detrimental to what college sports is. Yeah. I mean, and it, it, it all comes back to, uh, it all comes back to the money factor, right? I mean, uh, streaming football, streaming college football, college basketball, big college sports is, uh, it's all about the money essentially. So, and that's, and that's what it's seeming, seemingly more about. Um, it, it is sad that they're almost getting, I wouldn't say exploited. Um, but I don't know. You can make the argument. Yeah. I mean, if it like, I mean, I was kind of saying this earlier too, uh, before we started recording, but, um, but like if, if it was the best four teams, then they would like they wouldn't need to play the games. They would just look at the statistics and stuff based on the players that are brought in and the players that they currently have, and then be like, okay, we're gonna put Bama, Georgia, Ohio State, and Michigan in the playoff every single year, and then those are our best four teams. Like if it, I think if it was the best four teams, they would they they would have just done that, or they would have done some kind of subset of that, like with um like kicking out either Texas or Washington in some way. Yeah, I mean, it, it's like demoralizing for uh, for teams to not even get a chance even though they played a great season. I mean, you, like a perfect example is Florida State this year. Should have definitely gotten the opportunity to play in the championships, but um, we're kind of robbed of that just because of the, the politics behind behind college football. Yeah. Yeah, no, and in that sense, politics is one of the things that is hurting sports, especially college sports. I mean, just because there's a lot of politics right now surrounding college sports. I mean, before, like, there was kind of, like, one of the things that I've heard some people say is they don't like watching the NFL because of the politics there, the NBA because of the politics there. 
But now college football, other college sports are now kind of getting put into that bubble as well. I think. I don't know about you, but like with the whole thing with the with the SEC and ESPN, um, and I mean even panelists like on ESPN, they're like they went to SEC schools or they have very big ties, very strong ties to uh, the SEC schools. Like you look at um, I don't I don't know how to pronounce his name. I think it's like Farbaum or something like that. It's like Jim Farbaum. Like he's known. As someone like who went to Alabama and who's a huge advocate for Alabama no matter what. Which, I mean, I don't think that in reporting that that is something that should be, like, I don't think his opinion should have as much weight if it's a biased opinion. Yeah, it's, I mean, bias there is definitely, I mean, it's kind of unavoidable. I'm just going to have to deal with it. But at, at the highest level, making decisions as in like the biggest decisions of choosing choosing the teams for the championships, there's clearly politics behind that. And that's that's where it could should kind of, you know, at least get cut off. Yeah. I mean, I've, all, I've also seen a lot of stuff like the past couple of weeks about like ESPN basically launched a campaign as soon as Jordan Travis got injured to essentially prove their case as to why Florida State shouldn't be in the playoff. Like they were they've just been bad mouthing Florida State and their and that team for like three weeks. And then all of a sudden now they're receiving backlash for doing that. And now they're like they're trying to back they're trying to backstep from that decision. And yeah, I mean like when I was on Twitter, like there's a lot of outrage against ESPN and uh, the SEC right now because of what happened to Florida State. Yeah, yeah, definitely unfair. All right, I think you want to move on to something because I think we kind of <laughs> literally, quite literally tore this to pieces. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe I said some controversial things there. Um, but like I said, I mean, I don't know. I don't know a whole lot about college football. I'm just giving my two take of what I've what I've learned over the past 24 hours. So, um, hey, I mean, like yeah. this day and age, like anything can be controversial, right? Like there's so like people can take anything, spin it into something controversial. Like that's just the that's just the world we live in right now. Like something as basic as college, college football. So Yeah, something as basic as college football where there's clear guidelines and there's a clear set of what guidelines have more weight than others. And yet, um, still, <laughs> decisions are made against those. Right. Um, but yeah, so, I'm, so the midseason meets. Um, so, just, so we're moving on to something now. Um, um, for the midseason meets, those just wrapped up, I think, there's also the U.S. Open, uh, so that's another big, uh, big meet for the swimmers as well. Uh, some, I'm assuming, some taper for one over the other uh, for the midseason. Generally, yeah. Uh, so, from your experience since you swam, um, which do you think would be more important? And do you think that, um, like, the NCAA takes the swims from? Uh, the U.S. Open into account for the rankings, especially this year, just because lots of teams are now swimming in meters. Yeah, this year, this year is definitely uh, kind of a special year. I mean, it being it being an Olympic year, um, the U.S. Open is more, from what I saw, geared towards people who are either one trying to make the Olympic trials, whether that be for the United States or for their home country, um, or. I don't know, people in general, like pros in general, just trying to um, get their get their Olympic trials cuts. Um, for co- On the level of college, though, I think the midseason meets are way more important. Um, so I think the way that most of those were actually set up this year is that they did prelims in meters and finals in yards. It might have been flipped. Maybe I'm getting that wrong. Um, but I think that's just for the fact that it's it's an Olympic year. A lot uh, a lot of schools are doing meters meets this year, which is not is not normal um, because, as you know, college swimming is done in done in yards, and that's what the NCAA championships are done in. Um, but for the U.S. Open, I know there's a lot of strong performances from a lot of different schools. I don't think that the NCAA is going to take that into consideration for college swimming rankings. 
Um, maybe they should. I don't know. But I think the the performances at midseason, especially in the fact that they're both meters and yards, kind of gets a holistic view on on every team. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think you're right on that. With um, the U.S. Open, maybe being able to like having that have maybe a little more weight in the rankings, but I, especially with like um, college athletes, maybe that like I. I don't know, because I did see also that apparently there has been a couple times where the NCAA championships was held in long course meters. I think one of those years was 2009, uh, right after the Beijing Olympics. Um, but, you know, you only see that happen, every, like, you only see meets in college every few years because of Olympic trials, like, but you even rarely, more rarely see it when it's in long course meters. I think there's also been times they've done short course meters, right? For NCAAs? I have no idea. I think that sh- I think that changes the entire game. Um they're like that that would shift up rankings. Um people who who come from an international background are typically better at, at the meters because that's what they've grown up doing. Um so schools with maybe a, a heavier international um population or like I guess uh, portion of their team that definitely gives them the advantage if the NCAA meet were to be in in long course meters. Um, but yeah, I know that I know that it's not very people might not be super versatile across uh, long course meters to short course yards. So that would be that would put some people at an advantage and some people at a disadvantage. So I think it'd be I think it'd be interesting. I don't think it's going to happen this year. Um, if I if I were if I were in the position where that was me, I'd be so screwed. If I had to do, <laughs> if I had to do long course meters, um, I'm definitely a yard swimmer. But and I think that's a lot of the case for a lot of people too. Yeah, I know. Like when when I swam uh, club back home, like we only had a yards pool, so like swimming over the summer in meters just kind of screwed us over a little bit, and it really it changed our training in a w- really weird way. Um, so, like, you're, to your point, saying that, like, the international students, uh, like the swimmers, the international swimmers that would be swimming in short course meters, if the NCAA did short course meters, they would definitely have a huge advantage. Because um, from what I know, I know that um, that pools and, like, they're used to, we used to swim short course meters way, way back when. Um, there's a couple of schools, actually, uh, I think Valpo actually used to have a short course meters pool. Um, at one point as well. But Portage and Valpo were the two uh, high schools in our area that had short course meters pools. But because of the use of short course meters kind of going away in America, um, they both got new pools. So like, and that's happening with a lot of pools around the country too. Like they're building new pools and getting rid of short course meters basically altogether. Yeah, I mean, bringing it back all the way to uh, all the way to high school swimming, I guess. Uh, I definitely I, I swam a few times in short course meters. Um, not fun. Those pools are ancient, um, and yeah, like you said, they they got rid of them. But yeah, I didn't I didn't grow up swimming meters. Um, that's definitely not something that most I feel like American uh, swimmers do growing up swimming meters. But even long course. Yeah, uh, I mean, long course is just like a small portion of the the overall season, and I think that I think that's pretty clear in the performance of um, international swimmers at these these college meets and the U.S. Open specifically, um, where we saw the kind of domination by um, international swimmers. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, from what I last saw on the rankings, like Arizona State, I think they had like the highest combined score but then they also had like their unattached team was like eighth place or something like that which yeah. is just crazy yeah arizona state's uh they're filled with a lot of they have a very large international uh swimming uh what's the word I population group. yeah population group. yeah, <laughs> yeah um, no they definitely do um super strong team I don't know what the what the NCAA swimming rankings are going to look like this year. Um, I don't want to I don't want to give my give my take or give my sense because it might be a little bit controversial uh, given the fact that I I did swim here. <laughs> um, but I don't know Arizona State might be able to take down Cal. That's all. That's all I'm going to say. I think I agree. I think I agree with you on that. Just because I mean we look at 
especially like with the men last year, um, Cal only won one individual event. They didn't win any relays. They pretty much, they, but they still won the whole meet because they had because they used their depth right. of and they had like two to three people in the top eight every single time, and even more, some people in consolation finals where you can grab some points as well. Yeah, depth is, I mean, probably the biggest uh, biggest player in um, the performance at, at the NCAA meet. Um, yeah, like you said, I mean, Cal only winning one individual event um, and then still winning the meet. So it's it's not maybe about who has the best people. It's about who has the most best people. The most best people. <laughs> the, mo- the most number of best people. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't know... I don't know the depths of Arizona State's team this year, um, but I don't know. It feels like it always gets bigger. Yeah, they're definitely taking on some really strong performers. Um, freshmen this year, they're outstanding. So uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think the, the midseason meets were a little bit telling of where where teams stood, but um, we'll have to wait for the conference meets to see kind of how those pan out. Um, in order to get a better sense of what the NCAA meet is going to look like. So with um, going to, like, um, the conference championship meets versus, like, midseason meets, just because conference championships are so close to um, the NCAA championships, do you think that maybe the midseason meets might carry, like, more weight, like, at least, like, with taper and training, like, they're going to be more focused on the midseason meets rather than the conference meets with... I mean, there's going to be a strong focus on both, but like, right? Um, conference meets are a little bit, a little bit weird in in swimming, at least because uh, of just kind of the turnaround, how difficult it is to turn around uh, after one performance. I mean, the rest is very, like, it, it's it's necessary. Um, it plays a huge factor in that. Um, I think Cal, or so the 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 Pac-12 has their conference like a week before. NCAAs. So I think that always puts Cal kind of in in a bad spot. Um, I think they focus less on their conference meet than than most teams do. So it's kind of it's kind of a strategic game. I mean, not everyone that swims the conference meet is going to swim at NCAAs. Um, that's known, but just kind of playing with with specific people. I mean, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to play around with your team a little bit and and use different people in different areas in order to uh, first of all win your conference meet or do perform perform the best in your conference meet, but then also set people up in the best possible way to put your team at an advantage for NCAAs. Yeah. I mean, cause I mean just kind of speaking from experience like in high school there is the I mean there's conference sectionals and state and all those meets were kind of just jam-packed right at the beginning or no right at the end of the season right especially like in our area like our conference was like two weeks before our sectionals or something like that like that's just very quick turnaround and then state is a week later after sectionals right so it's i mean just that quick turnaround it really has an effect i mean i think you also swim at carmel so i mean you know like um like just the depth you guys have, like I'm sure you guys probably could swim like half of your team like at conference, half of it at sectionals, and then the sectionals team like goes to state. Yeah, I mean drawing <laughs> drawing yeah drawing the parallel between uh, college swimming and in high school swimming. So uh, we we're at Carmel at an advantage. Um, we had a very strong uh, and and deep team, but we also weren't in a sectional that had maybe a lot of top performing schools or other individual swimmers. So that was an advantage for us. We were, we were given, we were fortunate enough that we didn't have to really prepare as much for that meet. Um, same, same way as in, is in college swimming where you have to get the NCAA cut, you have to get the state cut at your sectional meet in, in high school. So, um, that kind of looked like Preparing people, I guess you would say, at the minimum level to get that cut um, in order to move on to the state meet. And I think that's kind of what maybe teams are doing in college, too. But in college, it's a little bit different. You can get your NCAA cut at any meet throughout the season. So I think 
mid-season meets is kind of um, an opportunity or used as an opportunity for swimmers to get their NCAA cuts there. And then they don't have to worry as much about their conference meets. But then you also talked about conference meets. Those are more important, obviously, than high school sectionals were. So for us, winning sectionals wasn't really uh, talking about talking about high school swimming. So winning sectionals wasn't really like the pinnacle of of uh, our performance during the year because we had a relatively, I, I don't know, easy sectional. I don't want to say that to put down other people's performance, but we definitely had a we definitely were in a position where we didn't have to rest up everybody um then gave this the advantage for state so um i think that was kind of drawing the parallels between uh college swimming and, and high school swimming yeah cause I, like they're both very different um like swimming environments and you could argue even like different sports just because i mean high school like you swim much shorter events than in college um but there's also a lot of uh, like there's a lot of differences, but there's also a lot of similarities in that sense. Like you were saying with um, conference championships versus um, like high school conference and sectionals. Yeah. So, I mean, in, in college and there's obviously there's a lot more events that you can swim. Um, but that also kind of it makes it it makes it easier, maybe not easier, but makes it more strategic um, for coaches kind of to play to everyone's different, different strengths. So you'll have, you'll have a distance coach and you'll have a sprint coach and you'll have like, I don't know, everything's very specialized in college. I don't think maybe as much in high school where you specialize in anything very specific. Um, but definitely in college, there's, there's way more of that. So there's, there's definitely different ways for each different group of people to approach both the conference and, uh, and NCAA championship meets. So kind of going, so I guess like post uh, mid-season meets, winter break training, that is coming up very, right. very, very soon. Um, we've got, we're about like halfway through dead week. Um, we've got finals week next week, and then it's, then it's winter break. Um, and college winter break is longer. So another difference between high school and college, like it's a week longer than college or I mean then high school winter break so in college you get that extra week of winter training you basically are you basically have a month of just super intense training like more intense probably like than the entire year I'm sure just because you I'm assuming are not as focused on classes because there is none Mm -hmm. um so what it like from your experience what like how much weight do you think winter break training has on like a coach's evaluation of the team yeah so uh just throwing this out there i'm no longer swimming i swam my freshman year at indiana university and i swam four years in high school but um so i can't speak to the current current uh training because i'm not going through it right now but I, i can talk about my past experiences with it at least um winter break training is the most essential part of the entire season by far um in high school it was something that was very valued i know it is super valued here um but it's difficult because you kind of have to monitor people who um like you're going to have to monitor the fact that people are going to go home and and take time off but really the time off you have is limited because of the importance of the winter break training so like you said there's no classes there's really nothing else to focus on besides training so coaches really take that time to really hit it hard and and uh set up everyone in the best possible way for the upcoming championship season. Um, So it's definitely fundamental in preparing for championship season. I'm sure that you went through, uh, being a high school swimmer, went through the the difficult um, winter break training. It's it's pretty notorious. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, It's it's notorious for being difficult, um, even even in high school. Um, In college, it's it's a little bit different. Last year, we got the chance to go to Fort Lauderdale, uh, Florida on a training trip. So I think there's kind of like, there's more of that fun aspect to it. Um, I can tell you that uh, training, training maybe, I don't know, what, five hours a day for four days a week, five days a week um, in high school when it's when it's snowing outside and you're indoors and it's, it's pretty gloomy. That, that's not that's not very fun. But Um, last year getting the chance to go down with some of my, my teammates and and close friends to Florida train outdoors there was rejuvenating, um, kind of was excited about approaching the championship season versus, 
Um, I mean, obviously it was work, but um, it was it was a lot of fun too. So I think that was really important. Yeah, I mean, like, and I think especially in college, like you kind of build uh, very different connections than you would like in high school. Just because, I mean, you like you kind of get to I'm assuming you like get to know people like on recruiting, like when everyone comes in at the same time. And then like you like with your training groups, like whichever group you train in, like you're going to meet naturally you're going to be a little bit closer to them than maybe like other people on the team. But like in that sense, there's a lot more, I think, than high school, just because in high school, at least when I swim in high school, everyone was kind of the same in the sense that we all focused on like there was no like really specialty groups like we only would go into like our specialties every few times right but like in college it i think it seems different in a sense that like you're always training the like the strong stuff you know right yeah so i mean speaking to what you said about um relationships with people on the team uh high school was definitely more I would say maybe unified across the entire team um, for this for the fact that uh, everyone, right, like you said, was swimming the same thing at the same time. We were doing all the same practices, um, and it was smaller. It was a smaller team too. I mean, yeah. college teams are pretty 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 deep and uh, large most of the time. Um, I swam in a combined program in high school, and I the the, the team here was combined, which means that um, both uh, guys and girls are swimming at the same time together. Um, so that, that creates a sense of unity across the team too. Um, in high school, especially is, I feel like swimming is broken down more into, at least from Indiana, boys and girls. I mean, meets are different, meets are separate. Um, in college they are all together, guys and girls are at the same meet. Um, so there's no really breakdown there except for obviously the championship meets. Um, so yeah, but in college, uh, swimming with a tinier group it was more i didn't really get to train with everyone on the team i mean there were there were people who i didn't ever train with at all uh during my time here so and that's just for the fact that people have different strengths so obviously um so i'm maybe not obviously (laughs) i was uh i was not a distance person i was i was in sprint group um so i got really close with with my sprint group um, but I didn't have much interaction, say, with other other strokes or distances. And and I think not that it created a sense of disunity or um, like division, right, division. But um, it was definitely different. Yeah, I think like those close relations, like I think it's kind of cool, like in college that like you guys are united as a team, like you guys are all the Hoosiers of Indiana. But at the same time, like you can also be like. This you can be like a sprinter, you can be an IMR, or you can be like a distance person. But like it's still like one thing. Like I know, like in high school, just because everyone did the same thing, um, or at least like a lot of times, like we're grouped kind of the same. Like when I swam in high school, we did this thing called the cruise test, where like you did six one hundreds, um, you got five seconds rest in between each one hundred, and then your time after you're done with the set gets taken. You divide it by six. And then you get like an average time. And then we do that for freestyle, your primary stroke and secondary stroke. And we also used to do that with kicking as well. But um, but like everyone would be grouped in lanes based on their freestyle cruise test. So like if you were doing strokes, um, it made training in that sense more difficult because you'd have like flyers be with breaststrokers and back. Like it would just be all intermixed and swimming butterfly with maybe like a backstroker would be a little more difficult just because, I mean, you know, like you you could hit some, like you could hit each other. And I mean, you could do that in butterfly too, but like in butterfly, it's a little more control. Like if it's just butterfly, it's more controlled. I feel like, you know, yeah, we're, we're getting, we're getting, uh, we're getting deep into it, but uh, yeah, definitely breaking up the groups between, I mean, stroke groups is, is, uh, is important. Um, I mean, so, I mean, we talk about the difference between college and and high school again, uh, with, with high school being like, everyone's on, everyone's on the same time schedule. You can't, you don't really have a lot of, uh, leeway or flexibility with, uh, the times that you can schedule people. And you're also mostly, most of the time working with a limited, limited space. Yeah. Um, college is not really that difficulty. Um, because I don't know, people can 
change their schedules to be what you're what you want or what you need uh, in order for training. So people are training at different times than each other. Um, we have more space generally because of that. And so we're able to spread out more um, and, and more space kind of gives you the opportunity to focus in more because you don't have to just throw everyone in the same same group for, I don't know, time and time and space wise. So um, another example of just how how detailed, I don't know, college uh, or in specific college training can get. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point, because like I know like in high school, like it's not like everyone's on the same schedule, like even like I know I'm assuming you guys have like different morning practice schedules, like maybe like you come in like like you'll train twice a day on some days of the week, once on some days of the week and lift some days like it's recovery. But like in high school, everyone's doing the same thing at the same time, like everyone's going Everyone's going to be lifting. Like if you if the team lifts on Tuesdays and Thursdays, everyone's lifting Tuesdays and Thursdays. If you're swimming in the mornings, Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, Saturdays, everyone's there. Like there is no real separation, I guess, in that sense. Yeah, I mean, almost almost no separation at all in, in high school. The only separation came when um, it came down to the girls training for their championship meet and the boys training for their championship meet, which were two weeks apart. So that was like that was like for a month at the very end of the season when things got split. And that was the only way things got split. Um, talking about my experience here last year, uh, the, I mean, I was so I was in sprint group and, and we lifted more than other groups would. As, as you can imagine, the, the distance people aren't necessarily lifting as much or doing the same lifting program as, uh, say someone doing the sprints would. So not only different, different schedules, but different weight schedules too. So we, I think we lifted, uh, more like just in pure number of hours more than other groups did. Yeah. I think, cause like with sprinting, you need a lot more. I think you'd probably need like a little more mass and like muscle mass in that sense, just cause you're you're trying to move your arm, like you're trying to move your body through the water as fast as possible. In order to do that, you need to grab as much water as possible while also being able to move your arms as fast, like arms and legs as fast as you can. Right. And, and the payoff being that um, with more muscle mass, there's more fatigue, but the the fatigue aspect doesn't play as much of a role when you're only doing 50 yards versus when you're doing six. 1,850 yards, so... <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I would not imagine, um, like, sprinting a mile yeah, in the water. Impossible. That would be a complete nightmare. And, I, I mean, you could... I mean, even just walk... Like, if you watch someone try to sprint a mile, like, they'd probably... Be, they maybe could do it for, like, a 500, but then after that, you'd see, like, a dramatic drop in, like, time. Like, you might not feel that, like, when you're swimming. Like, you probably would feel like you're still going like the same speed or like that you're putting in the same amount of effort, you know, but like the top, like the clock would say a different story. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, even, even at the highest level in the hundred freestyle, there's a drop off between after their first 50. So, um, I can't imagine sprinting, uh, anything as, as long as a 500, um, I don't even know if I could swim a 500 right now. So <laughs> yeah, me neither. Um, <laughs> so yes, I don't know. Sprinting, sprinting, you definitely start breaking down. Um, the two, I mean, after the 200, the, in the in college, the 200 uh, yard freestyle is is considered, I think, a sprint event. But anything longer than that is is distance. So you start putting different people in for those events. Um, and yeah, so that's a completely different story, yeah. a whole different group. Unless you want to see them like just struggle, then you can put them. In this. <laughs> that that's just uh, that's cruelty. That's a uh, yeah cruel and unusual punishment if you're, if you're making a, a sprinter do, do some distance events. But yeah, um, I was never put in that position where I had to do distance events. Not even not even in high school. So I mean, I know like in high school we did um, like we would do test set Saturdays where we do like lactic acid sets where you do like either six one hundreds. Uh, 875s or 1250s and you would just go as fast as you could for as long as you could and I think with that it was always kind of fun seeing like the sprinters would all go like really fast at the beginning 
and then would kind of taper off a little bit like towards the end just because of the fatigue like you were saying earlier like with more muscle like you get more fatigued but like the distance swimmers would just be going the same time like the entire time no matter what just because they were able to do that because that's what they trained. <laughs> yeah, they, they might not be going as fast in the beginning, but they're they're holding on way better. Um, but yeah, that, that was for us. We did that on Wednesday nights here. We'd we'd uh, put our put our fast suits on, suit up and and uh, do some sprints. That was always a blast. It was always fun. But at the end, you were definitely feeling it, um, even with the, the smaller number of sprints that we were doing. Um, and I think everyone was feeling it. Maybe I was feeling it more than others, but, <laughs> uh, yeah. I know. I mean, I know like in high school also we would do it like by stroke. I mean, I'm sure like you guys also did it by stroke as well. Um, but like I would always do breaststroke and my shins at the end would be shot. Like the only way I could like make it feel somewhat better was like just pouring water down my shins, like from my water bottle. That was that was it. <laughs> yeah, there were there were some times where I was um, in shambles. Uh, some better than others, but yeah, no, there was there were some days where you're just you're you're crawling. You feel like you're crawling on the pool deck. So um, some tough ones, but um, yeah, I mean it, it was fun. I think that was the highlight of the week, and it was kind of like the very the very middle of the week too. Uh, in order to kind of emulate that feeling of what you're gonna feel like maybe during during a meet um, in the middle of a meet. So. And for you guys, like for college, would you guys like separate the heats based on like what stroke you guys are doing and what event you guys would be doing like in the like at the practice, like based on what you normally would do, like the sprint group would be like would have like one or two heats and then like breaststroke group would have like three heats or something. I don't know. Yeah, it, the way it was kind of set up um, was say maybe there, there's like three different three different sets per se. Uh, maybe maybe one set is a fifty and a seventy five, and then you'd be assigned how many sets you were gonna do. So um, usually I was doing like the very the very like bare minimum, <laughs> uh, like the, spr- the the minimal sprint stuff. Um, so it was like I was swimming a fifty and a seventy five twice. So I was doing that twice. And then maybe there was another set that's a 50 and 100 or uh, a 75 and a 150. And someone would do like a combination of one of those three sets. And I was, yeah, some people would do like uh, two of the, the minimal sets or, and then maybe they'd, they'd switch around. But yeah, the, the heats were always ordered in um, by stroke. And then obviously by set too. I mean, you weren't going to have someone doing a 50 against someone doing a 75. just doesn't make sense for the timing purposes and also just like, I don't know, comparative purposes. But but yeah, that's usually how they're broken up. Yeah. And like in high school, sometimes we separated it by time, like based on like what you swam. Like sometimes you'd see like backstrokers doing like racing against breaststrokers and butterflyers like. It was yeah. weird. Like, I feel like that'd be kind of, that'd definitely be like a benefit, like with college training, like being like, just like the aspect of groups and specialties, uh, kind of having more of an elevated role in training and like how you guys train. Yeah, I mean, there were there were some times where I was getting beat. Um, me swimming freestyle and someone swimming backstroke. That I think that just kind of speaks to. Uh, the level of performers that they were they were on the team. So um, maybe I wasn't always racing the fastest freestylers when I was doing freestyle, but it was maybe more beneficial for me to be racing someone that was doing fly when I was doing freestyle. So, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I think I think that's a good spot to end for today. Um, thank you guys all for coming on and listening in. I know this is a bit of a longer episode, but I mean that's kind of what happens when. Um, you know, you're in a discussion, like, type of setting, like, when it's more, like, when it's just you, like, it's very easy to just kind of, you know, go through it, but, like, with, like, talking with another person, it's a whole different kind of episode, which makes it unique and special in that way, Um, so thank you all for coming on. Uh, Next week, finals week, um, so there will still be an episode, um, and I'll, yeah, I'll see you guys all next week. Uh, there's no college football this weekend. Uh, so, um, yeah, just have a nice weekend. And uh, anyone who's a college student, well, study for the finals, I guess. <laughs>